While researching bombings in the general area at the time, after I separated out all the biker-related bombings, I came across another one that intrigued me for its similarities to the shop-and-go bombing. See, this is something that I do every time I research a case. I have to search for similar cases in the area around the same time period to see if they might be related to the case that I'm researching. So this story begins with a fireman who had been with the Leesburg Fire Department for 14 years before he was promoted to assistant fire chief six months before the incident I'm about to tell you about occurred. Now, Leesburg is a town not far from Lockhart where the shop-and-go bombing took place. The two locations are about 30 miles apart. On Thursday, October 24, 1985, 10 months after the shop-and-go bombing that injured Paul Jewell, at around 6.20, this assistant fire chief stepped outside his Leesburg home, about to head out for his evening run, when he saw a package on his carport. That's what he told police. He said he picked it up and sat it on the hood of his truck. When he went to open it, the box exploded sending metal and paper all over his yard. The blast reportedly left a dent the size of a beach ball on the hood of his truck, and a window in his house was shattered. Neighbors blocks away heard the blast, and it frightened children who were playing down the block. A man who was on his way home saw the explosion, and he hurried to assist the injured man. He opted to load him into his own vehicle and drive him the short distance to Leesburg Regional Medical Center. The Good Samaritan used his ham radio to call ahead to the hospital and to the police department. The assistant fire chief would later tell police that the box was addressed to his son and marked confidential. At the time of the initial reporting, news articles said that the son's whereabouts were unknown and the reports were vague and all that was known about the son was that he had allegedly just gotten out of military service. Multiple agencies were called in, including the local ATF, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, and an explosives expert from the Altamont Springs Police Department. What I found compelling were the striking similarities in the devices themselves, comparing this one to the one used in the shop-and-go bombing. This was also a pipe bomb with caps on each end, and it contained a battery pack and pressure switch, all of which were indicated with the shop-and-go device. This had black powder as opposed to the double-based powder, and this device was also contained in a cardboard box the approximate size of a shoebox, similar to the device left at the shop-and-go incident. The assistant fire chief escaped serious injury, the news article said, because he had set the package down in such a way that the main thrust of the blast blew to either side of his body rather than directly at him. I tried to locate documents related to this particular case, but none of the agencies that responded to the bombing scene were able to provide any. I even tried adjacent county agencies just in case. Even the ATF had no documents related to this matter. Now, I often have a hard time finding records for cases this old, particularly if they're not involving homicide. Also, this case remains unsolved, and therefore, it was never adjudicated, so there wouldn't be any court documents. There were also very few articles in the old newspaper archives. Disturbingly, the story seemed to just disappear. I contacted the Leesburg Fire Department since this was their assistant fire chief at the time and he was a long-standing employee. I figured they may have responded to the scene as well. Again, I came up empty. They told me they dug around but couldn't find any documentation. 
It's strange that a case would so fully fall off the radar, both in the media and with regard to all documentation, particularly when it involves someone like a fire chief being bombed at his home. The second of two news articles on the incident had a weird vibe to me. The title was Police on Trail of Bombing Suspect, and it read in part, quote, Police Chief Jim Brown said Friday that agents of the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms located the assistant chief's son, who had only talked to police through intermediaries and obtained enough information from him to lead to a suspect. So that last part is really intriguing, right? They obtained enough information from the son to lead them to a suspect. I found myself wondering who was the son pointing a finger at. And why did they have to speak with him through intermediaries? Why couldn't they speak to him directly? Given that his father said the package was addressed to him, I'd think they'd want to speak to him in person. That just didn't make any sense to me. My initial thought, and I admit, I am very suspicious by nature since taking on this podcast, but I thought, what if the son sent it and addressed it to himself as a deflection? The article did say that he had recently gotten out of the military, a place where you might get experience with explosive devices. So... I tracked him down. The son, I mean. I sent him a message through Facebook and I asked him if he remembered the incident and if he was the person I was looking for. His first response was one word. Why? I told him that I appreciated his skepticism and explained why I wanted to know if he was the son of a certain former assistant fire chief and told him I was looking into the shop and go bombing. I told him that while researching it, I came upon news articles about this bombing in Leesburg and how based on the information that I had read, the bombs were very similar. He said, yeah, I'm the person you're looking for, but, quote, I don't think you want to hear the true story. Hell yeah, I do. Now I really want to hear the story. I think you're going to find it interesting too, but before you do, I would like to couch this entire conversation with the word allegedly. Just pretend it's like one of those motel signs, blinking red. Instead of no vacancy, it says allegedly. The story that he's about to tell me contains an accusation. Because I was not able to track down a single document on this case, I can't confirm any of it. But in the end, I figured that the fact that the father told police that the package that blew up was addressed to his son, I figured it was fair to allow the son to respond to that allegation. I did try to reach out to the former assistant fire chief, and I even left a message on his wife's phone, but I never got any response. I was living in Gainesville at the time. Um, Gainesville's probably oh, 60, 70 miles north of Leesburg. Mm-hmm. Um, on a Sunday, I was watching this little news ticker thing go around, and I saw where it said firemen were injured in a bomb incident. When I first saw it, I read it and I just, I'm like, what? And so I had to wait for it to come back around again. And I'm like, holy crap, that's Okay, well, I didn't have a house phone. So I go to the paper phone and I call my mother's house. My sister was there, got there. She answered the phone. Um, she, uh, I said, what's going on down there? I said, I just read this thing on the news or whatever said about being injured in a bomb. She goes, yep, he's in the hospital. And I said, well, what the heck's going on? She goes, well, it was meant for you. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? She goes, the bomb was addressed to you. 
Hmm. And I'm like, well, why would it be there? I said, you know, she goes, well, the mailman it was delivered here by the mail or something is what I guess they talk. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, for a fact, I ain't lived there. The and I hate each other. He's hated me since the day I was born. Um, I said, ain't no damn packages delivered there for me. Everybody that knows me knows I don't go there. Um, I said, I'm on my way. I drove to Leesburg. I went to see my mom. The police department, the detectives wanted to talk to me. I told them where I would meet them. Um, they came and they said, well, who do you think did this? Um, and I said, I don't have a clue. And they said, well, aren't you worried? And I said, well, I got a damn thing to be worried about. And they said, and they're like, well, I said, because the damn thing wasn't meant for me. I don't give a shit what says, what anybody else says. Um, supposedly the package was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So the kid, there was no proof that it was addressed to me. Um, you know, and it's just funny because I, I, back in those days, now, you know, I don't, I'm nothing like I was. For 20 years, I've been in no trouble, done nothing wrong. I'm, I'm a decent, upstanding human being. I'm proud of it. My better half is the reason why. And I just lost her in December to brain cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, thank you. Um, but I made a promise to her that I would never go back to the person I used to be. Um, but, you know, the detectives were like, well, you know, you, you got nobody here to watch it. They said, and the place I had to meet me was kind of secluded. And they were like, look, there's a truck sitting over there with somebody in it. Back over there is a truck. And it's like I, like I told them, I said, yeah, I know those trucks are there. Those are my boys. They're here with me. And they said, well, I figured you, because I, I grew up in Oklahoma, Florida, a dirt road community, rough lip life. Um, and I ran with rough crowd. Uh, and those rough boys were there to protect me. So... Anyway, uh, you know, I didn't even bother to go see nothing like that. I go home, but a week later, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms came to my house. And I said, okay, what's up? They said, well, will you take a lot of tech to test for us? And I said, I don't have a problem doing it at all. They said, all right, we'll be back here gave me a date and about a week it was they said we'll be here to pick you up because we got to set it up to Marion County Sheriff's Office over here I said that's fine got no problem with it I'll be here they didn't come hmm. a week went by they showed up on a Sunday morning and they said hey and I said yeah, what do you want he said you want to go down and take that test for us I said now and uh, they're like, yeah. They said, is there any reason? I mean, they said, like, you've been drinking or anything? I said, no. I said, but uh, I did smoke my my morning joint that I do every morning when I wake up. <laughs> you know? And uh, they're like, uh, well, is uh, that going to affect anything? And I said, I don't see how it would or why it would. I said, if anything, it's going to keep me calm so I don't go off on you guys. <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, we heard about you. I said, all right, Tim, let's go do it. Um, they, I went through all these kinds of questions 
Um, the one last question was, is there anything illegal that you've done in your life that you're not telling us? <laughs> and I, and I, I looked at him and I said, I'm going to answer that question. They said, why not? I said, well, for one, I'll be happy to tell you everything in my life. She don't give me a piece of paper saying you're not going to prosecute me for it. I said, because by the time I get done, y'all are going to have the FBI up in here. And I was just being honest with them. And they said, well, we can't do that. And I said, well, I'm just going to answer that question no every time. I took the test. An hour went by. They said, hey, man, you take another one. I said, when? I said, now. I said, sure, do it. I did it hour goes by they come back in and they're like um well how do you think you did well, i said what do you mean i said well how do you think you did on this test i said i got no problem with that test i said i passed that test and they, they looked at me they looked at each other it's you know like tv show man almost mm-hmm. you know and they go well you're right they said everything but the last question and i just started laughing and i said well you want those answers? You tell me. Give me what I need. And they said, "Yeah, we can't, but we don't need that." And um, they go, and they and they just ask me. They say, "Man," they say. Uh, to be honest with you, they told me. They said, "They said to be honest with you, Mr. Taylor, we do not think you had anything to do with this. We do not think the bomb was intended for you." I said, "I told you that." Um, they said. Is there anything that you know that we should look at? And I said, well, I told you to start with. is an evil bastard. Um, he was divorcing, in the process of divorcing my mother when this event happened. Hmm. He, uh, he got, had got caught in the city of Leesburg running around with some preacher's wife. It was a scandal. The oh, really? preacher had to leave town. The story was the package was around the outside of the house. The mailbox is right at the front door. All right. And he said when he was getting ready to go to work, he saw a package over. He goes and looked at it. It was, you know, a postal package. It was addressed to me. And of course, he says his first instinct was, well, it's damn drugs. <laughs> and, uh, he set it on the hood of his fire truck that he drove from the city. From the city. He was assistant fire chief. He was a fire marshal. Um, alcohol and tobacco told me, they said, do you know that took a bomb disposal class a month ago? I said, doesn't surprise me a bit. And I said, and I'm telling you right now, that son bitch made that bomb. Um, and I know what he did. He was putting that bomb in a package going to put my name on it, set it by the front door, go to work, hoping my mother would come out, get it, carry it in the house, and it would kill her. And he wouldn't have to worry about a divorce. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms told me. They said, do you know refuses to take a polygraph test? I said, don't surprise me in any bit. And, they, and he told uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, he said, I don't have to take a polygraph test. I'm the victim. Hmm. And I asked him, I said, y'all going after him or what? 
They said, we can't. I said, why? They said, we have no proof of this. Um, they said, there's no proof, nothing. He said, this is just, just going to be lost. I said, so he got away with basically trying to kill my mother is what he's telling me. And they even said, we think so too. Do you, let me ask you this. How do you, how, how, how do you explain it going off when he, with, um, on him then? What, what do you think happened? He was putting it, he built the bomb, this is my honest feelings. He built the damn thing and was putting it in the box on, on the hood of his truck to get it wrapped up so he could put it by the front door before he went to work. And fate being what fate is, some bitch went off on him. Wow. Blew off one of his little finger, busted out his eardrum. Uh, and went through the, the wall in the house and went all the way across to the family room and stuck in the wall right next to my mother. See, no, so let me, obviously I'm researching a whole other case. And the reason why I um, wanted to ask about it is because the devices were very much alike. Was that bombing before or after hours? Um, that bombing was in 84, so it was before. It was before. Yeah. About eight or nine months before. Eight or nine months before. Did he have any contacts in Lockhart in that area that you know of? I mean, it was just down the street from the Lockhart Fire Department. I mean, like... You're kidding me. No, just a mile down. And that's why um, I, you know, there are a lot of things about this that were weird to me. And when I knew that it wasn't, when it, when it wasn't solved, I mean, I could just tell that something wasn't right just based on the reporting. And that just throws a whole other loop into this. I know. Because you got it, when you don't have any solid evidence or proof, and you're basically going on theory, and basically all I'm going on is my personal feelings. Yeah. That's why it's so weird that I can't even get any documents on it either. It was. In um, case that thing, after this happened. That damn thing, that shit just disappeared. It, it did, in the it, newspaper. It just basically was hushed. Huh. And, you know, ten years after the fact, maybe more, my mother had moved to North Carolina, and I went up there and was living there with her. Uh, my, I had my second wife. We had five kids. Um, when I found out my second wife was having an affair, um... And me being me, just like I said, well, I'm going to kill this son bitch. I called and I told him what was going on. I said, I need a bomb. I'm going to put it up put it up there. He said, I'll get you one. Oh, really? Yes, ma'am. And, you know, and I really kind of did it, too, because I had told before. I said, I know you did it. And he's like, you're crazy as hell. I didn't do no such a damn thing, and you know that. And I said, well, you can't convince me otherwise. And I said, and my mother believes it, too. The box, when it was delivered, you told me that you hadn't lived there for, how long had you not lived there? Um, oh, God. At that, so it was at... Six, I mean, seven years? And you hadn't been living there for like seven years when when that allegedly no, that package no, came. No. So, so that's well, the... I was in the Navy for, what, four and a half Um. We got out of the Navy. Well, I moved to Okahunka, mm -hmm. um, where I, which is, was my hometown. We lived there for years. I was driving a dump truck. I got a job because I originally used to do land surveying. 
I got a job with a land surveyor in Gainesville. So I moved up there. So at least six years or more. Well, that piece of that right there is a really red flag to your dad saying that, that, that he's, he probably wasn't telling the truth because um, it, it doesn't make sense. Tobacco and firearms say. Yeah, it doesn't make they sense. They that uh, they found nothing with my name on it. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's what they sense. told me. And they said that that's just what he says. And what about your parents' divorce? How soon after the bombing were they divorced? Not very long at all. And after you did your your um, you did the took the polygraph. Did they was that it? They they stopped contacting you. They were done. Yeah, I did two of them the same day. And then that was it. They were done. Yeah. Did you ever find out if they questioned um, questioned him about it? They had talked to him. And they asked him, would you take a lie detector test? And he said, no, I don't have to. There's no reason for me to take one. I'm a victim. Make him take one. They, you know? And they said, well, he's taking one. I think that shocked him. That I said, yeah, I'm taking one. So to your knowledge, he never took one? No, man, he refused to. Hmm. He refused. And I asked them guys, what are y'all going to do? I mean, y'all going to go after him or what? They said, we can't. There's nothing we can do. He said, it's, it's basically it's over. It's his word against nobody. Yeah, right. That's the thing. It's his word. That's all they have is his word. All they, they got is his word, and he was Yeah, that's a shame. And in their eyes, those community wouldn't lie. When you asked your mom and she said, <clears throat> you said, she said in, in those words that he had taught a class to build and dismantle pipe bombs, specifically dismantle? Yep. That pipe bomb. She, and, and she said she clearly remembers, but I told her, I said, Mom, that bomb is known to go off when it's being made. Right, it's right. A very, she said, she distinctly remembers telling her that. That he had taught a class in Orlando to build and dismantle a pipe bomb. And it, it kind of dawned on me, you know, you were talking about back then, everybody was making them damn pipe bombs. Right, they were. It was and very that's popular. that's why he was teaching that class is what she was thinking. But uh, she remembers him saying that they were very dangerous because they would go off when you were making them. And my mom was like, you know, and we, she was saying, she goes, and as soon as... You were basically cleared. She said, that thing was hushed up and wiped away. Hmm. She says she remembers it clearly. She goes, it was like it never happened. And then you said they got divorced after that. It was real quick. Was she, af at the time, was she afraid of him? Was she? My mom was always scared of hmm. I don't. My, my mother will tell you straight up that she knows he was, he was trying to kill her. Instead of divorcing them. Did you ask her if, if um, she knew that he had any ties in that area? Yeah, I asked her. She said no. She just knows he was driving back and forth to Orlando. Yeah. Every day for what a week or two. And she said he told her that he was teaching a class to the firemen over there and the marshals and stuff on how to build and dismantle 
that flying bomb. What is the time frame here as far as in conjunction with the bomb exploding? I, I can't. I don't know because, like I say, I didn't have anything to do with Yeah. Or what they did. I didn't live there. I live shit. Next county, two counties up. Yeah, and you know, the thing, one of the things that stands out is, well, the very first thing is that uh, he says uh, the package was addressed to you and you hadn't lived there for like seven or so years. The second thing that, that is strange to me is that this happened to a, a local uh, assistant fire chief. So it would be a case that the law enforcement locally and the ATF would be very serious about solving if they had... They were right. until it came right down to him. Well, and what they think, what they figure is, he was the actual victim of the bombing. We have no proof that if he did it, he was placing it to her. So it, it amounts to it's a guy. It's all just conjuncture, as they call it. Yeah, and it amounts to him harming himself. Because if, if <laughs> allegedly, if he's the one that did it, that if someone else was injured, then it might have gone differently, probably. But the fact that yeah. it, what no one died, number one, so it's not a capital case. Number two, the person if they think, suspect that he had play, was going to place it himself, um, he it blew up on him. So he's the victim in the case. And, you know. I've always said if he would have gotten away with it, with killing my mother, he'd have got away with it because he would have said it blamed it on me. And him being who he was and me being who I was, I'd have never stood a chance in the state of Florida. Yeah. I'd have rode old Sparky. So, in your theory, you you figure he was going to put it out for your mom to find, and it exploded. Where do you think he would have put it that she would have gone out and... Right there at the front door above the ground underneath the mailboxes. You think the mailman delivered it. The, was the mailbox out by the road, or was it up by the house? No, right there at the front door on the wall. Oh, okay, so it was one of those little letter boxes. Yep. But you know what doesn't make sense to me? The other big thing that doesn't make sense to me? If it's a package addressed to you, why is he opening it? Exactly. And him being a, who he is. Um, if he just thought it was really made drugs, he would have called the cops and said, y'all need to come over here. That damn boy of mine's got drugs over here at my house. You know, common sense. Mm -hmm. Now, I was able to get in touch with one of the former Leesburg Police Department investigators who worked on this case. He was mentioned in some of the news articles. After refreshing his memory by sending him a few of those articles by email, he said that he didn't recall much about the case because shortly after his involvement, it was turned over to the ATF. This would, at least in part, confirm some of what the son said. He said that the ATF questioned him and administered those two polygraphs. So in the end, without proper documentation, I can't make any assessments about that case or even begin to decide whether it could be related to the shop-and-go bombing or not. This is a perfect example of one of the reasons why I never cover cases unless I have a pretty thick FOIA request hall to work from. I like facts, and barring a pile of those sitting in my lap, what I'm really doing is just speculating, and that's rarely helpful in getting to the truth of the matter. But I did my due diligence. This was the only case that I could find in all the newspaper archives that occurred in close proximity to the shop-and-go bombing and had similar features. 
which is slightly telling in that we don't have a rash of bombings after the shop and go bombing to attach to one another to form some sort of pattern. Now, I did contact Brett Holmes. He is our fireman cop, the one that you heard from in season four. We discussed the case of Arnold Holmes. I asked him about his thoughts on these two cases regarding their similarities and differences. He brought up a couple things, one of which I really think helps us to decide how likely it is that these two cases are related. This is eight months after the initial device that ended up injuring the victim in this case. Right. I, you know, it would be, I guess it would be a strange coincidence, but I don't see why you would go from making such, such a potentially effective deadly device to going down to a device that didn't contain anything that created projectiles and used a black powder, which probably isn't going to create, most likely isn't even going to create your the explosion that you need to rupture the, the container effectively. Black powder is the predecessor to smokeless powder. Black powder is, uh, we don't use it anymore. Well, there, there's, I suppose, some limited use of it, but it's specifically in the hunting world, even after you ignite it, uh, it, most of it is still there, even after the ignition. It's very dirty. Yeah. It's, and it does not burn efficiently at all. I mean, smokeless powder itself does not burn efficiently. Um, so black powder would be even less optimal. Apparently they said the way he set it down um, made the blast go out the sides rather than at him. Um, so that's why, but it left left it left like a, a, a beach ball sized dent in his his truck. So, you know, it, it was bad enough that they heard it down the street. It was, you know, I, I, I sure, assume it could have. Which was probably, probably one of the end caps coming off the device, most likely. Yeah, and paper went everywhere, um, you know. Again, because that that black powder is going to be a low yield explosive, and it's not going to create the detonation effect that has that shredding kind of um, detonation that that really um, rapid high pressure explosion. That's uh, black powder is not going to do that. So if you if he'd had the right explosive in that container, it probably would have shredded the container. The container itself would have become um, you know the project having that low yield device in there it creates that that kind of low order damage that i, I characterized to you earlier the uh, uh you know the damage where there's some shifting of the foundation some windows are knocked out of the sills walls are shifted a little bit yeah similar here you've got a device that the end caps are probably gone but other than that probably largely remained intact but of course that's all assumptions yeah, and, and so in that case, if so, you what you're doing is you're making a device to meant to scare more than hurt. Is that what you're saying? Possibly, it, it could be that, or it could be that he was just that dumb and didn't know what he was doing. Oh, there you go. You, we, we, I've always got to f- remember that it, it to add the dumb factor. You're exactly. Right? <laughs> um. you, you know, you have you always have to take the dumb factor into consideration because more often than not, that's that's actually the the cause. Yeah, that's true. It goes back to the lesson that I told you, what that you taught me that people do people things lesson. It's probably been the best lesson that I've gotten from any law enforcement officer yet because there have been cases. Every case that I look at, there have been um, um, something where I go, I why did they do this? What this makes no sense. Why did they do this? And sometimes you have to consider. There's who knows why they did it because people have weird random reasons for why they do things. Absolutely. People, I guess, you know, especially in the world of criminality, it's not that your offenders are particularly intelligent. It's not what makes them dangerous. What makes them dangerous is the unpredictability. There you go. 
You guys are going to hear a whole lot more from Brett in the next episode when he helps me understand pipe bombs and how they work and gives me his thoughts and opinions on the shop and go bombing. Stay tuned.